Section 22 of Unaddressed Letters by Anonymous Edited by Frank Athelstane Swettenham This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Nemo Of A Country House Custom I went one morning to a hotel in London to call upon a celebrated writer of fiction, a lady, and she told me that, as a protest against ideas which she despised, she always locked her door when she was talking to a man. I stayed there about two hours, but I don't remember whether the door was locked or not. Probably not. No one, however, tried it, and my reputation survived the ordeal. The practice is unconventional, though innocent enough. It is much more common to find yourself in a lady's room at night in a country house in England, and there you may talk to a friend, perhaps to two, and even, on occasions, smoke a cigarette, while the door is seldom locked. Do you see any harm in it? The thing itself is so pleasant that I do not mean to discuss with you the fors and against. I am satisfied that it is often done, and that I sometimes profit by the arrangement. A century ago, or rather more, it was common enough, if not in England, certainly on the continent, and the guest was sometimes present while the lady lay in bed, or made her toilette. It is conceivable that this custom deserved to be discouraged, and it seems to have gone out of fashion, no doubt for sufficiently good reasons. I was once a guest in a delightful country house in the heart of England, a house where nothing was lacking that could contribute to comfort, and where the hostess was attraction sufficient to draw visitors from the uttermost parts of the earth, and keep them with her as long as she desired their presence. She was wayward, and added charm, and the company came and went, and some came again, but none remained long enough to become overpoweringly tedious, or compromisingly épris. It was winter, the hard earth was full of bone, the waters ice-bound, and the face of the country white, with a thick covering of frozen snow. There were but a few of us in the house, and we had been skating on the ornamental water in a neighbor's park miles away. That was the only form of exercise open to us, and we had enjoyed it. The long walk over the crisp snow, and the uneven cart tracks of a country road, the intoxicating ease and rapidity of motion over the glassy ice, the ring of steel on that hard, smooth surface, how distinctly they all come back. And then the trudge home in the gathering dusk, between the woods whose snow-laden trees look the very picture of winter. It was all delightful and exhilarating. And, if our dinner party was small, it was certainly a merry one. When we parted on the stairs, it was close on midnight, and I was standing enjoying the blaze of my fire and the intense coziness of my room, when there came a knock, and what I had thought was a cupboard door opened to admit the head of our charming Chatelaine, with an inquiry as to my comfort and contentment, and an invitation to put on a smoking jacket and have a cigarette in her snuggery. I very eagerly and gratefully accepted that offer, and a few minutes later found myself in the most delightfully warm, cozy, and withal artistically beautiful room 
the heart and mind of woman could desire or design this boudoir faced the front of the house and looking over the lawn and terraces were three french windows through which streamed bright rays of moonlight for the shutters were not closed within a great wood fire blazed on a wide hearth of olive green tiles two lamps with the shades of valet rose shed a soft glow over inviting-looking chairs thick carpet tables littered with books and papers lovely bits of porcelain and bronze treasures in burnished silver and dull red gold every chair looked as if it were made for comfort and the whole room said unmistakably this is where i live i should have noted the general effect at a glance but i had time to appreciate the details for when i entered i found the room unoccupied in a few minutes my hostess appeared from her room which opened out of this fascinating retreat and said well how do you like my snuggery is it not cosy i said it was charming and delightful and everything that good taste and an appreciation of real comfort could make it i am so glad she said will you smoke one of my cigarettes thank you yes shall i light it for you that would be most kind there now we can make ourselves quite comfortable and have a real good chat and no one will come to disturb us what have you been doing with yourself all this time what new friends have you made what books have you been reading tell me all about everything i think you'd be more comfortable over there don't worry about me this is my favorite seat but i change about and never sit very long in one place you can imagine i'm your father confessor so don't keep me waiting tell it all and keep back nothing you know i shall be sure to find you out if you try to deceive me i found a seat not exactly where i'd first wished to place myself but where i was put and our chat was so mutually interesting that i was surprised to find it was two a m when my hostess told me i must go to bed i must have smoked a good many cigarettes and i have a vague recollection that there were glasses with spiritual comfort as well it is probable for nothing that any reasonable human being could want was ever lacking there i know that i lingered and the white light through the curtains drew us both to the window never shall i forget the incomparable picture of that snow-covered landscape glittering scintillating under the silver radiance of a full winter moon riding high in a clear gray frosty sky the absolute stillness of it not a sign of life the bare trees throwing sharp shadows on the dazzling whiteness of a prospect broken only by the evergreens of the garden the cleared stone steps of the terraces and beyond a small stream winding through the narrow valley and forming a little lake of as yet unfrozen water its ever rippling surface showing black and sombre under the shadow of a high bank which shut out the moonlight the contrast between that outside the coldness the whiteness the sense of far into the nightness which somehow struck one instantly and the inside the warmth the comfort the subtle sympathy of companionship with a most fascinating most beautiful perfectly garmented woman 
it was too striking to be ever forgotten. The picture has risen unbidden before my eyes on many a night since then, under other skies and widely different circumstances. Turning away from the window, I could see through an open door into my companion's room, and I said, How did you get into my room? Very easily, she answered. There's a cupboard in the thickness of the wall between your room and mine. It opens into both rooms, but is at present full of my gowns, as you would have seen had you had the curiosity to look in, and the door happened to be unlocked. I said I had abundant curiosity, and would gratify it when I got back. My hostess smiled and said, There is nothing to find out now. I have told you all there is to tell. Good night. But, I said, why should I go all the way round through cold passages when I can walk straight through to my room by this way? And I pointed to the open door. That is very ingenious of you, she answered, and you are not wanting either in the quick grasp of a situation or the assurance to make the most of it. You do not deserve that I should pay you such a pretty compliment. It is too late for banter. I am getting sleepy. Good night. End of section 22